Hey guys, this is Jim. Welcome to the Holmes Politicast. Where this week um, we have several items that I'm going to talk about today, actually, seven, some briefly. But um, <clears throat> I'm going to start with the Michigan, this is from Wood TV 8. Michigan drivers are refunded $95 million in premiums due to the virus. <clears throat> oh, all this air conditioning has got my throat kind of. Stuff or a little cough in my throat. <clears> throat> uh, Michigan motorists are being refunded nearly $95 million in car insurance premiums due to a drop in driving and crash claims during the coronavirus pandemic, regulators have said. The amount paid back varies by insurer. It typically was 15 to 20 percent for April, May, and June, said Laura Hall, spokeswoman for the State Department of Insurance and Financial Services. Uh, the state announced savings of $118,000 on workers' compensation policies and at least $1.6 million on other types of property and casualty insurance amid the COVID-19 outbreak. Uh, as I think we discussed this before, but insurance insurers were required to disclose to regulators a plan about the refunds or rate adjustments to contact their agent or insurance company. State Farm plans to reduce statewide average rates by 12.7% effective September 7th. Allstate told regulators it would make 15% payback payments to be applied to people's next bill. So check that out with your insurance companies. Um, you could get some good deals there. Or, uh, you know, payback or um, either money back or they'll take money off of your uh your next bill. So definitely check that out. I think we touched on that a while ago. They were talking about doing that, but didn't have a pl we didn't have any details at that point. Uh, second from MLive, we've got a story here as we are less than a hundred days until the election. It's coming back. It's coming folks. It's coming fast. We're getting into the home stretch. I know we still have the conventions to go through and things, but a hundred days is going to come by, is going to fly by like no time at all. And here, M Live has a headline: Gary Peters, our senator from Michigan, looks forward to debate after challenge from John James in the Michigan Senate race. A spokesperson for U.S. Senator Gary Peters said the incumbent Democrat looks forward to talk to taking up Republican Senate hopeful John James on his challenge to participate in a series of televised debates. James issued the challenge in a video posted to Twitter, calling on Peters to join him for two debates hosted by local television stations in Detroit and Grand Rapids, and then two additional debates hosted by Fox News and CNN. A spokesman for Peters' re-election campaign said that he looks forward to debating, but did not respond to additional questions about whether the campaign is open to the terms James laid out on social media. As you know, Peters is seeking his second term uh, in the U.S. Senate. Uh, and it's a six-year term, as most of you know. And James is running unopposed in the Republican primary. He did run once, once before uh, in 2018, actually. 
Um, he challenged Debbie Stabenow uh, for her seat. He came up just a little short. James in the video says, Stand up next to me, live, in person, on camera. Measure your record of results against mine. Let the people decide who they want leading them to the future. This isn't about anybody else, but the people of the state of Michigan. And this race isn't between anyone else but you and me. What he's referring to is Michigan Democrats are planning to tie James to Donald Trump. And they're making it about Trump instead of about James. And that's what James is saying here is this isn't a race about anybody else, but, but between Peters and James. This isn't about Donald Trump. It isn't about the nation. It's about the people of Michigan, and it's between us. I think this is a pretty smart move. Um, I think it's a very smart move. Actually, number one, this pandemic, uh, because, because the news is so distracted with the pandemic that it is really uh, an incumbent's election to lose. Like it, it favors the incumbent because incumbents, and I'm talking about Donald Trump and, and in this case, Gary Peters, uh, because the incumbents are getting all the attention. They're the ones who are giving updates. They're the ones who are talking about issues, talking about what they're doing, outlining plans and things. And there isn't as much time devoted to the challengers. So what, what, by doing this, James is taking a proactive um, step and saying, hey, I want some debates. You know, it's time for us to talk about the issues that are facing Michigan you know, and you need to come out of hiding and face me. And I think it's a very smart move. It looks strong. Uh, he's being very proactive. To, you know, um, I started to say demanding. I mean, I mean, he is to a degree, but not not an annoying sense. But he's saying, look, I want four debates and I want, you know, I want one on Fox News and I want one on CNN. I want one in Grand Rapids and I want one. So we'll have and we'll want, I want one in Detroit. So we'll have uh, two local stations representing different parts of the state and two national uh, uh, debates, um, one on Fox News, which is considered more friendly by many people to Republicans, and CNN, which would be considered more friendly to uh, liberals. And he's saying, look, I, I'm, you know, he's saying, I'm, I'm willing to challenge you anytime, anywhere. You know, uh, Peters will not go for four debates. I guarantee you that. Um, but, but he, he will have no choice but to honor some of these. He can't, he can't hide. Um, so he won't do four debates. They'll probably settle on two, but, uh, I don't know. I think it's a smart move. Uh, the article goes on. A lot of it is just nonsense, but, um, it did say that James is outperforming Peters when it comes to fundraising. He posted a larger haul in the last four financial quarters than Peters. He goes on to talk about some polls uh, I'm not going to read these polls. I'm not going to show them to you because our show is about facts. I mean, there is some opinion in it, but but uh, these polls, I mean, you can get a more accurate reading of the future by a carnival fortune teller, really. They're, polls don't tell you anything. They're just a snapshot, if they're even accurate. They're a snapshot, uh, a capture a moment in time. It's like finding a picture from 1953 and assuming that that one photo encapsulates the entire year 
or the entire country. It doesn't, you know, it's just a snapshot at that moment when that poll was taken. And we're assuming that it was all accurate, assuming all things are equal, all things are fair. It doesn't tell you anything about what's going to happen in November. It just tells you what people are thinking at that very moment in time. And it's really, even if it was accurate, it's way too early. Things will change rapidly as it gets closer, as the debates come. Um, people will be able to see the candidates and they'll make decisions then. So anything they decide now is not even worthy of wasting time or energy or anything. So, uh, so that's all I have to say about that. But I'm really excited about this. As of yet, as of the time of this recording, Peters has not gotten back to James about when the debates are going to be held, where, anything like that. Uh, we'll let you know as soon as we find out. But so far, we haven't heard of any time or dates. But I'm really excited about the debate. I am. I can't tell you how excited I am to see these debates. Um, if, if possible, it might, it'd be even great to be able to go in person and watch them. But if not, I'll watch them on TV. And, you know, it's going to be a phenomenal, really exciting. Uh, the third story here if it, oh, is, uh, is from Wood TV 8. And it, um, it says the Grand Rapids Public Schools are going to go virtual for beginning of the school year. Um, and it's the Grand Rapids public schools will not start the beginning of its 2020, 2021 school year with in-person learning. Instead, the first nine weeks of school year will be held virtually. The teachers confirmed Monday morning. Uh, however, Grand Rapids public school superintendent Liad, Liad Robbie, I think is how you pronounce it said during the briefing that the plan may shift based on the status of the coronavirus outbreaks. Once school is underway, and if we are deciding or seeing that we are able to do hybrid or in-person, we will also look at that moving forward. This is our initial initial plan and what we're recommending today, but it could possibly change. Um, so, okay, the first nine weeks of school accounts for the first marking period, which ends October 21st. During that first period, Robbie said that the district will continuously assess our decision and will work out plans for shifting to hybrid or in-person learning. Uh, let's see. They also said each student will get the devices they need to take classes and the district will ensure kids can get online, including the distribution of hotspots. Uh, are, there are plans to give kindergarten through first grade students tablets. Students in 2nd through 12th grade will receive laptops. Um, let's see, physical packets will also be available as a backup for each kids with special needs, where online learning is not the best option for our most vulnerable students, they said. So, uh, I don't see uh, anything else. Oh, here we do have one thing. Uh, students will be able to participate in athletics this fall, saying Grand Rapids Public Schools will follow guidelines from the Michigan High School Athletic Association and mandates from the state. Practices will be closed and spectators won't be allowed at games. Hmm, that sounds like fun. The district is also working to develop a plan for food distribution. Officials say they plan to make lunch and breakfast available to students. Okay.
that sounds absolutely horrible. Um, I mean, really, it doesn't sound fun at all. Not that school is usually that much fun to begin with, but that just sounds miserable. And no game, and no 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 spectators at the games. Uh, uh, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I'm not in school right now. Uh, the next headline, or the next subject I'm going to talk about, is a national one. ABC News has been roundly and deservedly mocked. Here it says, this is the headline that ABC News put out, or it's in a tweet from July 26th. It says, protesters in California set fire to a courthouse, damaged a police station, and assaulted officers after a peaceful demonstration intensified. Well, they're being roundly mocked for their continuance to claim that these demonstrations are peaceful when it is obvious they're not. Um, This is getting ridiculous. We are seeing over and over again the media portraying these protests as being decent, good, hardworking, patriotic Americans who are just wanting to send a message. They're, they're really no different than the civil rights activists who sat in like Martin Luther King and in these peaceful, nonviolent protests when it is apparent to anybody with a brain that these are not peaceful protests that are going on. There are peaceful protests going on in the country, certainly. I'm not denying that there are absolutely none that, that I'm not. I'm not claiming that every protest in the country is is uh, violent. But what I'm saying is that the ones that we're talking about on the news are not peaceful protests. No, but there's no reason why anyone would uh, cover a peaceful protest. The national news doesn't cover these, um, because th- there's more important things in the news to talk about than a bunch of people gathered and nothing happened and they just stood there and protested. You know, like, okay, well, where's the news in that? That's that's nothing interesting. Um, just like you don't hear about, you only hear about gun owners who shoot somebody or accidentally kill themselves or, you know, things like that. You don't, you don't hear about John Doe down the street who has a gun and nothing happened. I mean, why would that be news? You know, so you don't, you don't hear about the cases where nothing happens. So, of course, there are, I don't, I don't know how many, but dozens, I'll say. I just I know for sure there's dozens of peaceful protests, protests going on around the country, whether it's for police reform or in favor of Black Lives Matter or whatever. I, you know, whatever issue it is, there's lots of peaceful protests going on. But the ones that the news cover is when they start burning down buildings or assaulting uh, citizens or police officers or things like these. And then they have to make a point of saying, but these aren't violent protests. These are peaceful protesters. And then just, there was some anomaly that happened. And it's not an anomaly. When when buildings burn down, it's not an accident that they got burned down. When citizens or, or civilians or police officers are attacked or maimed, it's not just an accidental, it's a, and it's a peaceful protest, but just one little act of violence occurred. No, these are not peaceful protests, and they're not meant to be peaceful protests. They are trying to make, to create disarray, which I think everybody understands that. 
it, you know, if you're for it, then you're saying, hey, we have to do something to get attention because we want to make real change in this country. We're not going to get that just by, you know, holding hands and singing Kumbaya out in the street. We got to do something to get their attention. And if you and if you don't support them, then you know that they're doing it to create disruption and try to um, bring down the administration and to bring down, you know, you know, to, to spark an uprising or a race war or a civil war or something. You know, they're trying to affect some change. So these aren't peaceful protests. So anyway, peaceful demonstrations. So anyway, ABC News has been mocked relentlessly about this, and rightfully so, uh, about this uh, this peaceful protest. It reminds me a lot of um, when George Zimmerman, uh, you may remember him, he was the the gentleman who shot Trayvon Martin down in Florida. Um, I don't remember all the details about it, but he shot an unarmed black kid. Uh, you know, there was, there was a defense and I don't remember all the details about it, but anyway, he was Hispanic looking man. Um, I, I don't know if his heritage was, his, it was Mexican or Cuban or Puerto Rican, but he looked very Hispanic. And I remember that the media kept calling him white calling him a white Hispanic. Um, and the implication was that they wanted to make it a race thing, that this was a white man killing an unarmed black teenager. And so they kept referring to uh, George Zimmerman as white or a white Hispanic um, because that was their narrative. Just saying a Hispanic or Mexican man killed him didn't have the same effect in their mind, didn't have the same effect as saying a white man killed an unarmed black man. That is a true travesty. That, that's what they wanted to portray. And it just didn't have quite the same spark to say his Hispanic killed him. And that's what I see here too, is they want to just keep pushing this narrative that these are peaceful protesters and what we're seeing is not real. This is not really the protesters. This is just an intensified peaceful protest, and things happen, you know, eh, it happens, you know, stuff happens, you know, building gets burned down, ah, that happens, it happens, people are passionate, you know, you know, they throw rocks through things, they hit, they kill innocent people, ah, you know, all these things happen, what'd you expect, I mean, it's just a peaceful protest, and just get, people get worked up, it happens, you know, no harm, no foul, that's just ridiculous, uh, just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you know, Groucho Marx used to have a, a phrase he would say, do you believe me or do you believe your lying eyes? And that's what uh, we're seeing here. I mean, are we supposed to believe the media or are we supposed to believe what we're seeing every night on television um, through Fox News and independent and independent uh, media and, on, you know, um, on the Internet and on television? And, you know, we're seeing it on in world news, I, I watch a lot of world news because lots of times I'm not getting real news from our uh, media. So I watch, I have to watch news from other countries like France and, uh, you know, and Russia and other other networks, um, and European news and things like that, and read, you know, London's account of things to find out what's happening in our own country because they will usually give a more nuanced reporting of what's happening in the United States because our media won't cover it. So anyway, you know, they're all showing it. They're all showing that, that 
the riots, they're showing the um, protests, they're showing the cities burning, they're showing these things, and then you turn on uh, our mainstream media, and we're just saying, oh, those are just peaceful protests, there's nothing really to see here, and Trump's sending in troops into these nice, quiet little towns and, and creating all this turmoil. That's not true. You know, he's not sending troops into Grand Haven. There's nothing going on in Grand Haven. He's not sending troops into little towns like Grand Haven. He's sending them into areas where there are uh, violent protests going on. So this is, it's ridiculous. And I'm glad someone's calling him on it. The other, uh, along with that, is Jerry Nadler. He's a a representative. I really don't even, I, I don't even know where he's from. I, I think maybe California. I don't know. He's, he's one of those committee chairmen. I see him all the time. I, I, I can't remember. He's either on the judiciary or the oversight. Adam Schiff is on the other one. Cause I, I remember seeing him a lot during the impeachment, uh, trials or the impeachment talk in the house. And I can't remember which one he oversees, but, um, but he's, along with this, he was caught on a video and uh, saying some things about the violence and rioting in Portland. And I just, I want to tell you, I, I really tried everything I could. I, I found the video. I tried everything I could. I practiced a little bit before I did the show and playing it through my phone and other things. And you can hear the interviewer, but his responses are very quiet. He kind of mumbles them like you can see it if you watch the video, but you couldn't hear him. You couldn't hear his, his responses. So as much as I wanted to play it for you so you could hear it for yourself, you'll just have to take my word for it. It wasn't worth just playing the questions and you can't hear the response, but it's on Twitter and the site is the guy who did it is essential Fleckas F L E C C A S. He's a verified account which means Twitter's verified him, meaning he's a legitimate, I don't know who he is, I don't, but apparently he's got some followers and some, um, you know, because they verify accounts to make sure that this is an official account. This isn't someone pretending to be a person. That's what the blue check mark on Twitter, you know, they somehow verify this is a legitimate person. This is the legitimate person, not, not someone pretending to be him. So essential Fleckas, uh, is the name of his Twitter site. And he put on there and he asked Jerry Nadler, he saw him in Washington, D.C., and asked him to disavow the Antifa violence and rioting in Portland. First, let me say that Jerry Nadler in this clip is not wearing a mask as he's wandering around the streets, disheveled. He looks like a homeless man in this video. His, his coat his belt is disheveled. He's got a blue and purple tie on, which just looks atrocious. It's all out of, you know, it's not tied properly and all this. And he's asked about it. And he says, literally, that is a myth, that the Portland riots are a myth created by Republicans in Washington, D.C. to scare people before the election. He says it blatantly says it's a myth. There are no violence. There is no rioting in Portland. That Trump is just sending in troops and people to scare uh, peaceful protesters and to try to provoke them into violence. And then after he says this, 
he waddles away, and I literally mean he waddles away. This man is very overweight, and he literally waddles when he walks. He goes back and forth. It is, it is quite the clip. I would encourage you to find it and look at it for yourself. If they remake the Batman movie, Jerry Nadler should be hired to play the Penguin. He looks like a penguin. He's got the little glasses, put a little hat on him, and give him an umbrella, and he would look just like the Penguin from the Batman TV series back in the 60s. Uh, Jerry Nadler is... If you may have guessed, I'm not a fan of Jerry Nadler. Um, but that, that is just, again, uh, it's like 1984 all over again. They're going to tell us that what we see isn't true. What you're seeing every day isn't happening. You can see it with your own eyes, but you're not seeing what you're seeing. You're seeing what they want you to see. Like, what? how does that make sense? How on earth is that? How is that legitimate? How can I, you know, it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, absolutely. Uh, and then along with that, there's just a headline from the Daily Wire, uh, which I, I haven't got into the article and I'm probably not going to because we really don't need to read the whole article. But the Daily Wire says that armed Minneapolis residents are patrolling their own neighborhoods as city moves to defund police. Um, I think it is ridiculous that they are defunding the police, but. This is exactly what we'll have to do if it gets to that point where the people with guns are going to have to patrol their own neighborhoods. It's going to have to be a citizen police force because if the government and the police are not going to protect the citizens, then it's going to become incumbent upon citizens to protect themselves and their neighbor. Um, I know that liberals are tearing their hair out, that now you have these uh, basically a posse that is formed of vigilantes, as they claim, uh, guarding the streets. But what do they expect to happen? This is what's going to happen. If you get rid of the police, you're going to have uh, people who are unaccountable to anybody who are armed patrolling the streets. That's what you're going to have. It's one or the other. You've either got to have a police force or the people who are armed are going to have to, are going to have to police their own city. So, you know, if you're a liberal, pick your poison. Do you want to have a standing police force or do you want to have just people with guns out there protecting their property and protecting their neighbors and things? You know, it's up to you. You know, you can't have both. You can't have just anarchy in the streets. And you can't just promise that we'll all behave ourselves and, you know, we'll all be cool and behave ourselves and we don't need a police force. You can't do that. Somebody's got to somebody's got to pr protect the rights. That's what government was created for, to protect the rights of individuals, of individuals, not of, of groups, but of individuals. And so if government's not going to do it, then we're going to have to protect our own rights. Well, you know, so, hey, you know, pick what you want. Um, so I'm, I, I uh, hate the decision to defund the police, but I applaud these people of Minneapolis who said, if you're going to get rid of the police, then we're going to move in and we're going to protect our families. We're going to protect our businesses. We're going to protect our property. We're going to protect our rights. And we're going to be out there with guns and we're going to make sure that law and order is kept in our town. We're not going to allow anarchy to reign just because you want to get rid of the police force. 
Um, here is one thing. It has nothing to do with the protests, but I just want to make a quick statement on it. Uh, Larry Kudlow, one of Donald Trump's uh, financial advisors, talked about the GOP stimulus plan. This was on July 27th, and he said that there will be increased business deductions for meals and entertainment. And I just want to rebuke Larry Kudlow here. I think right now people are facing losing their homes because of COVID. There are no jobs because things are shut down all over the country, businesses and schools, and and things are shut down all over the country. I don't think that increasing business deductions for meals and entertainment are what is needed right now. I think we need to do something to either get these these jobs back open again, or we need to extend the financial uh, the, the the financial package of six hundred dollars a month or whatever it is in their unemployment. I can't remember the exact details about that. You know, it's not I'm not a big fan of that program, but one of the two is going to have to happen. We have to get more jobs out there, more jobs open, or we're going to have to increase the funding to these people because there's people are about to lose their homes. We're going to have an economic crash if we don't get these jobs started or if people don't have money to start spending and getting the economy moving. What we don't need is tax business deductions for meals and entertainment. I mean, if that is a part of it, eh, you know, I mean, I guess if they want to throw that in, but, but that's not the primary problem. It's not that businesses are having to pay for meals and entertainment out of their profits. Um, so, just for anybody who thinks that I'm just going to pick on Democrats all the time. No, I pick on the Republicans too when I think that they're being ridiculous. Um, and final news story that I want to talk about is CNN here. Uh, as you may remember the case of uh, Nicholas Sandman, Sandman, I don't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. If it's Sandman or Sandman, I don't know. Um, but he, last year he was, uh, he was part of the Covington Catholic High School, and they were at the Washington, or the Lincoln Memorial last year, in January. And you may remember the story, you might not remember his name, but this is where there was a photo that went viral in which he was standing face-to-face with this Native American man, and the news went on and on about how these, um, these boys from Catholic school some of them wearing Make America Great Again hats, how they were taunting and mocking Native Americans and because they allegedly were there, the Native Americans, to protest something, who knows what it was, and that they said these kids were mocking them and threatening the Native Americans, making fun of them, and the Native American came and stood face-to-face with, with their leader, Nicholas Sandman, and uh, and it went viral, and these kids were um, uh, just attacked left and right by CNN, by wa- by the Washington Post, by all the liberal outlets. Um, one guy I don't remember his name, but one lawyer on Twitter put out said you know talked about Nicholas Sandman said you know could this kid have an even more punchable face. Um, they doxed him. We didn't even know his name until 
some people some people found out his name somehow released the press they released what school they went to they released his parents name and work phone number people were calling his house his parents house i mean his parents work um calling the covington high school uh it was just a disaster and then of course it turned out later when uh alternative news sites started posting that the covington kids did nothing they were out there waiting for their bus and the native american came up to them and started banging his drum right in their face and and the footage shows one kid actually making like yelling like get out of here or something and you see nicholas sandman being uh an adult he turns to his friend and says don't don't say anything you know and uh he just stood there and of course that's when the photo was taken is him just standing there looking at this guy and it made it look like he was you know staring him down like for a fight but it was just the opposite he was just in an awkward position this guy got right to his face he just stood there um so anyway he sued these places um and they settled out of court which he sued for 250 million dollars which of course he knew he wasn't going to get that but you sue for a larger amount and then hopefully you'll get a good deal but anyway um they settled out of court and part of the agreement when you settle out of court is that everyone has to sign a disclosure saying they will not reveal what the terms of it was they won't reveal who admitted guilt who admitted liability how much the agreement how much the settlement is for none of these things and mr sandman has been quiet he did thank everyone who supported him on twitter he did not disclose anything about the amount or any any of those things anyway so then cnn's brian stultler um tv's original mr potato head uh on his show laughingly called reliable sources tweeted out um this uh comment about um about how sandman was paid only a little bit and it was a nuisance value settlement nothing more meaning you were just creating a problem so we just paid you to shut up and it was just pennies peanuts and then another cnn analyst on the show said that he probably walked away with $25,000 and that was it just to get him out of our hair and uh um so now sandman's lawyer is considering refiling a lawsuit for breaking the terms of the agreement and they want Brian Stutler to be fired um <clears throat> which I think is wonderful there was no reason to carry on like that you lost the case admit it and instead of admitting it they just decided to mock the the I say little kid I mean he's not a little kid um but but basically in their mind he's just a little kid a little nuisance a little you know what they call maggots you know make america great again person he's a maggot you know and you know, so let's just pay him off get him out of our hair and move on with life and uh you know it was just it was just unconscionable they should have just stayed silent it was none of their business to be speculating 
and to defame him once again by claiming he was just a nuisance and that he got paid peanuts and just told to get out of our life. We don't want to deal with you. Um, he should be fired. He should be. I mean, he should be fired just in principle anyway, but this is actually something concrete that he should be fired for. And lastly, we're almost done here. Lastly, I just wanted to make a statement about John Lewis, who passed away this week. Although I disagree with John Lewis on just about everything politically, I have to say that he was a great man of courage. Back in the 1960s, he wasn't looking to make history. He was just make, we're looking to make his world a little better. And he got to walk with Martin Luther King. He spoke at the, at the Lincoln Memorial when Martin Luther King gave his I Have a Dream speech. He was there and he spoke. He was the youngest speaker. And when he crossed the Edmund Pettus Bridge, which was uh, one of the significant moments of our civil rights history. And he walked through a mob of white people and white police officers in a time when a black person did not have the recourse to file charges against a white person. You could be raped, you could be beaten or killed by a white person and that person who killed you or raped you would not be tried because you did not have any recourse to try them. You did not have any standing in court. And he faced that mob and he was beaten. That is courage. That is moral and political courage. In a time when white racists would continuously call black men boys, it was meant to show their inferiority, that they were boys subservient to men. John Lewis was a man, and he proved that. And it shows what we can do with a small amount of courage. We can change this world. Like I said, even though I disagreed with him politically on many issues, that kind of moral courage is lacking in America today. When you have cowards who burn down buildings because they won't take on real people. They want to get the government to ban your weapons so that you can't defend yourself against them. And they're afraid of what people are going to say about them are going to mock them. John Lewis was a man of great courage, and we could use more people like that. So I say a prayer for his family and for his friends and for our country who has forgotten what courage really looks like. Tweeting, putting out a Facebook post, just talking about an issue isn't real courage. What John Lewis did was. So, 
even though the press will try to make this about Donald Trump in some manner. And I don't enjoy listening to the media in their quest to, to destroy Trump. I have to admit I am a little sad about the passing of a great generation of Americans who knew what courage was and valued their children's lives and their children's future more than they valued their own. And they were willing to fight, to bleed, and to possibly die to create real change in this country. I could say more, but I'm not going to. So that's how I'm going to end the show tonight. And uh, be sure to listen to Tom's show and tune in every week and like and rate and subscribe and comment and all that. So, uh, folks, until we meet again, I hope you have a great week.